Thanks for checking out this Church in the City podcast. In our 10-part series entitled, Because Jesus is Lord, we're exploring the practical ways in which the Lordship of Jesus impacts our everyday lives. We hope you enjoy, and you can check out more at churchinthecity.us. We are kind of bringing our series, um, Because Jesus is Lord, into land. This is our second last week. Um, We've been spending the last, I think it's nine weeks or so, answering the question, how does the kingdom of God impact or affect the way that I live? When we speak about the kingdom of God, we we are speaking not about a place, but we're speaking specifically about the the reign and the rule of Jesus. And so uh, in what ways does Jesus' reign and rule affect my life and affect your life? And we've answered that question by coming up with a list of what we have termed the fruit of the kingdom. Uh, In Galatians chapter 5, the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit, characteristics of men and women who are anointed uh, with the Holy Spirit. And what we've done is come up with a list of of things, of of characteristics um, of people that are God's kingdom people. Uh, We've mentioned a few over the last few weeks. We've, We've spoken about the fact that we are a people who love. The primary way that you and I are characterized, if we are a people of God, is that we are a people who love Jesus and love one another. We are a people who trust or or who have faith. Anything done without faith will never advance the kingdom of God. Anything done without faith will never advance the kingdom of God. Doug and Claudiana have just walked in with their new baby boy. Good to see you guys. Really, really awesome. I was like looking up, and while I was trying to preach, I'm like, is that Doug and Claudiana? And it was. So got to just say hi to you guys and welcome. Thirdly, we live under God's grace. Grace is the manner, the means by which God receives us. In Romans chapter 5, Paul writes, he says, by faith we enter into this grace in which we now stand. I've taught this before, friends, but grace is not a little bit of fairy dust that we sprinkle on ourselves to give us a happy kind of outlook for the day. Grace is a, is a kingdom. Grace is a regime. Grace is the rulership of Jesus in which we stand. And because Jesus accepts us by grace, Romans 15 tells us that that is the basis by which we should accept one another, by grace. We, uh, we've spoken about the fact that we are a people who obey. Obedience doesn't secure our relationship with Jesus, but obedience characterizes our relationship with Jesus. Fifthly, we are a people who are accountable. Being part of the kingdom of God means we understand that we are knitted in and joined in by the Holy Spirit to God's covenant people. Salvation not only restores our relationship to Jesus, but salvation restores our relationship one to another. And by virtue of us being part of God's kingdom, God's kingdom people, we understand the importance of submission, submit yourselves one to another, the Bible teaches, and the importance of accountability. Chris spoke about faithfulness. Faithful with little, entrusted with much is a, is a kingdom principle. That defines how we uh, uh, administrate or steward everything that the Lord has entrusted to us. And then last week, Matt spoke outstandingly about the importance of honor. You know, I was thinking about this reading Matthew 13. Matthew 13 uh, describes the moment where Jesus goes back to his, his hometown and he begins to preach in the synagogue. And the, the, the people who were in the synagogue started to, to dishonor Jesus. And it says there that, that Jesus was unable to do or perform any miracles in that place. 
Dishonor sucks the life of God out of um, any situation. Today, we're going to talk about giving thanks. My friend Ken Grenfell, many of you know, loves to say this. An attitude of gratitude keeps the heavens open over us. I love that. An attitude of gratitude keeps the heavens open over us. I've got to start with a confession, which is probably, you're probably thinking that's really a great way to start a talk on Thanksgiving, but I've really struggled with how to go about preaching this morning's sermon. Because I've got to be honest, this is not an area of strength of mine. Uh, In fact, I think this is probably one of my weakest areas. Um, If there's an opportunity to see a situation, I always tend to see it glass half empty rather than glass half full. The family, when they tease me, they always call me a curmudgeon. And if you don't know what a curmudgeon is, the picture behind you will explain exactly what a curmudgeon is. That's generally my, that's my go-to face. That's my go-to attitude. Um, you've heard this story before, but once I was on a prayer walk, a prayer walk, praying to Jesus, and I walked past a homeless man who wasn't necessarily praying to Jesus. And he says to me, dude, why the long face? You look so sad. That's the struggle I have with giving thanks. If I'm not careful, if, I'm not, if I don't lead myself well, I can tend to get very hard and very down on myself very quickly. And so I approached this weekend, or uh, throughout the weekend, coming up to this weekend, not as an expert on the subject. I, I come to you today as a, as a fellow student or a fellow learner, just wanting to to find out what does God's word say about the subject of thanksgiving. I, I approached the subject this week. My prayer was literally, Father, I'm your son. And your word says that those who are sons of God are led by the spirit of God. And I am weak in this area and I need you to show me your wisdom. I don't want to, uh, this week, I didn't want to learn what other preachers had to say about the subject. I didn't want to learn what, what the kind of political voices or the kind of scholarly voices of our day say about the subject. I wanted to know what Jesus had to say. And so what I did simply was I spent an entire day uh, on Wednesday reading every single passage in the Bible that contained the word thanks or thankfulness or thanksgiving. But when I did that, I approached it with a certain verse in mind. Uh, behind you, you'll see it. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says this, All Scripture, every single word that is contained in this Bible, all Scripture is God-breathed. That means that every word that we read has God's supernatural creative power that is able to transform lives. The book of Romans talks about the God who declares things that are not as though they were. And so as I was reading about thankfulness, I was saying, Lord, may your word, the creative power behind your word, may it start to declare a glass half full in my life where there is a glass half empty. Every scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching. It's useful for showing us what is truth. It's useful for rebuking, which means to convict us where we are wrong. It speaks of uh, being useful for correcting or restoring us back to truth and training us in righteousness, showing us the will and the way of God, showing us 
uh, how to become the people that we already are in Jesus. I've spoken about that a lot at church. Who we already are is in Jesus, holy and blameless. But our lives have to play catch up to the reality of who we are. And God's word trains us in how to become the people that we already are. So that the man or the woman of God may be thoroughly complete, may be, may be whole, brought into wholeness, and therefore thoroughly equipped for every good work. I needed God's word to teach me this week. And I'm going to share some of the things that God taught me from his word. The struggle, though, that I've had is this question I've been asking myself this week. Is God's truth always true? Or is it only true when it feels right or it makes sense? Is God's word always true? Or is it only true when it feels right or it makes sense? In other words, is truth circumstantial? So in my situation, as I struggle with thanksgiving and thankfulness, I've had to ask myself this week, is, is, it, is, it, is it true that I should always give thanks? Or do I only give thanks when things seem to be working out for me? The kids just finished school this week. So do I give thanks because all three came back with a good report card? Do I only give thanks when I take my car into, to, you know, to get a service and miracle upon miracle, the mechanic says it only needs an oil change, which hardly ever seems to happen. Do I give thanks only when I'm not fighting with Debs? Do I give thanks only when I'm able to find a day to rest? You see, that question is a question we've got to ask ourselves. Is truth always true or just when it feels right or makes sense? And so if I was honest with myself, and I was honest with myself this week, I realized that truth for me wasn't always true. Truth for me at times was very circumstantial when it came to the issue of thanksgiving. And I think that's not just my struggle alone. I think that's a struggle that we all face at times when situations and circumstances don't seem to be working out for us. James prayed a few moments ago about the, you know, what happened on Wednesday night in Charleston. I mean, our nation was on a knife edge before that. And it seems like even more so. And, and I've wrestled with what is our response. Do we, do we continue to give thanks? And, and as I'm going to show today, I do believe, yes, we continue to give thanks. Can I just say one thing about the response to Charleston? And that was I was blown away by the response of the, 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 the victim's family members. And I don't know if you've seen it, but I want you to encourage you to go and Google it or find it on CNN. And their response was, was incredible. It was a response of forgiveness. And, and I want to say, I don't think that is possible in human, in human strength. It's possible only in Jesus Christ. And, and if, 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 if the attacks on Wednesday do one thing for us, let it be that we are stirred even more passionately to go and tell people about Jesus Christ. Because we have the answer. We have the answer right in us and with us. And that is Jesus Christ. I want to just going off topic a little bit, but I want to just read this passage, Isaiah 61. We've, we've preached and prayed this passage a lot, but I think this passage is pertinent for every one of us in the season in which we live in as a nation. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them 
a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And so maybe it's not the nation that is kind of tearing us apart and causing us to wonder if we can give thanks. Maybe you're facing situations and circumstances in your own life where things haven't worked out as you had hoped. Things haven't transpired. You've put yourself out in faith, standing, trusting God for a breakthrough, and things haven't happened. And again, you're asking yourself, is truth always true? And I want to say today, I want to invite you to, to join me on the journey that I went on over the last week. We're going to spend the next 15 minutes reading Scripture together. You're going to spend the next 15 minutes, I'm not going to be quoting Hebrew or Greek or or quoting famous authors or digging into the Scripture anymore. As I read these verses about Thanksgiving, honestly, I felt my heart being transformed. And sometimes the truth is we have to allow the Word of God simply to minister and wash over us. James gave a beautiful picture at the prayer meeting. He spoke of two different kinds of rocks. A rock that was sitting on the river bank outside of the river and a rock that was found in in the, the river itself. And the difference between those two rocks is the rock sitting on the river bank was jagged and sharp. But the rock that had been washed by the water was smooth. And that's what I'm praying for today. That as we read God's word together, as we simply say, what does God's word say about thankfulness? that we would trust that the Holy Spirit would just minister His life and His liberty to us. That the Holy Spirit would begin to rub away some of those edges that we all have. That the Spirit of God would edify us and encourage us as we are washed by God's Word. And so I want to encourage you, please don't be a spectator this morning. There are two ways that you can participate in today's sermon. Number one, I want you to read the Scriptures with me, not necessarily out loud, But Qantas is going to put the the verses up. And I want you to read those scriptures. And I want you, if the Spirit of God stirs your heart, I want you to say amen. Not necessarily out loud. You can if you want to. But partner with the Spirit of God. The declaration of amen says this. It means, let it be so, or so be it, Lord. If you see a verse up on the screen behind you that that, that, that would minister a life and truth to you, then I want you to agree with the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, so be it. Second Corinthians chapter one, Paul writes about that. He says, everything is yes in Christ, but the yes becomes a reality when we say amen. When we say, yes, Lord, I agree with that. Let it be so. And so I invite you to, to partner with me as we read scripture together. The second way that we're gonna respond is immediately after I've read these verses over us, we're going to go back into a time of worship. And we're going to just spend the last 10 minutes of our meeting this morning just back in God's presence, worshiping and celebrating Jesus for who he is. So there's four questions that I want to ask and answer as we read scripture. Why do we give thanks is the first one. Why do we give thanks? Well, simply because his word tells us to. Colossians chapter 3 verse 15 simply says this, and be thankful. Because it's God's will that we, be th- that we are thankful. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 
Why do we give thanks? We give thanks because of God's amazing call on our lives. He's invited each and every one of us to be, to be participators in the, the, the work of advancing his kingdom. First Timothy chapter 1, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy appointing me to his service. Why do we give thanks? We give thanks because we have received an unshakable kingdom. Friends, the world around us is quaking and shaking, but you and I, believers in Jesus Christ, are part of an unshakable kingdom. Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Why do we give thanks? We give thanks because of God's endless or steadfast love. Multiple times in the Old Testament, and there were too many times to to list here, the phrase over and over again is repeated, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Why do we give thanks? Because of God's righteousness, as Psalm 7 tells us. I will give to the Lord the thanks due to His righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord, the Most High. Why do we give thanks? Because of the wonderful and amazing things that God has done in our lives. Psalm chapter 9, Psalm, Psalm 9, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all of my heart. I will tell of all of your wonderful deeds. Why do we give thanks? Because God answers prayer. God answers prayer. Psalm 118, I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. And can I just quickly say, if you are here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we don't find him in religion. We don't find him in a set of following rules or rituals or following laws or a lifestyle of rule keeping. The Bible teaches us that everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's a simple case of saying, Jesus, I want to know you as my Lord and Savior. And you can do that right now if you do not know Jesus but want to. Even Jesus himself says in John 11, Father, Father, I love that. Father, Daddy, I thank you that you have heard me. What a beautiful prayer that Jesus prays. Why do we give thanks? Because God gives us wisdom. Daniel chapter 2, I thank and praise you, God, of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. Why do we give thanks? Because we are no longer slaves to sin. Romans chapter 6. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. Why do we give thanks to God? Because in Jesus, we have victory over sin and death. One of my favorite verses, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why do we give thanks? Because in Jesus, you and I qualify for an amazing inheritance. There were many things that I didn't qualify for growing up. I was a bit of a geek, a little bit overweight, terrible stutter, didn't qualify for much. 
But you know what? In Jesus, I qualify for an amazing inheritance. Give thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of of light. Why do we thank God? Because of who he is and what he's done. That's why we thank God. The next question, when do we thank God? Well, I want to say we thank God not only when we draw, into, draw close to him in his presence. Psalm 100 tells us that we must enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. We must give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. But it's not just when we enter his presence. The Bible tells us we need to give thanks in all circumstances. First Thessalonians chapter 5 simply says that. Give thanks in all circumstances. Despite the changing circumstances around us. There's an amazing passage in Daniel that I'm going to read now, where Daniel was living in a nation where the king literally wrote into law that it was impossible, it was against the law, by punishment through death, that if anyone, if anyone were to worship or pray to the God of Israel. And this is Daniel's response. When Daniel knew that the documents had been signed, he went to his house where he had a window in his upper, in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and he prayed and he gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. When do we give thanks to God? We give thanks all the time and in every circumstance. How do we thank God? Well, we thank God firstly by offering a thanksgiving, a sacrifice of thanksgiving to God. You see, friends, Thanksgiving is not circumstantial. At times, let's be real, Thanksgiving is a sacrifice. At times, the circumstances don't allow it or don't, or don't call for it or don't demand it. But God says in Psalm 50, those who sacrifice thank offerings honor me. How do we give thanks to God? We give thanks to God by worshiping him. I love reading about David who instituted a, 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 a kind of a culture of worship into the people of Israel. In First Chronicles 23, it tells us that David appointed people who were to stand every morning thanking and praising the Lord. And likewise at night. And whenever burnt offerings were offered to the Lord on Sabbaths, new moons, and festival days. I love that. He appointed people to give thanks and worship to the Lord. First Chronicles 29 tells us about David's personal worship and thanksgiving to God. Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. And in your hand are power and might. And in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. Worship is one of the ways that we give thanks to God. How else do we give thanks to God? By praying with thanksgiving. 
Colossians chapter 4, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Philippians chapter 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then this amazing promise, and the peace of God, which transcends understanding, which is beyond our human comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. How do we give thanks? We give thanks by talking to others and with others and about others with thanksgiving. Ephesians 5, let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, no crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. How do we give thanks? By being thankful to God for one another. Philippians chapter 1, I thank my God every time I remember you. I want to pray, I want that to become a reality in my, my life. That every time I remember you, I want to give thanks. First Corinthians 1, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. Friends, if there is a brother or a sister who is, who is changed by the grace of God, the only response we can have towards them is thanksgiving. The only legitimate response we can have is thanksgiving. To thank God that he chose them. We didn't, he did. Second Thessalonians, but we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctification by the Holy Spirit. How do we give thanks? By allowing thanksgiving to overflow into every area of our lives. Colossians 2. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, Continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Worship team, can, can I ask you guys to come up? We're going to end in literally three or four minutes, and I want us to go right back into worship if we can. How do we give thanks to God? By offering our lives as a living sacrifice. The last section that we're going to look at is, what does thanksgiving do? What does thanksgiving do? Well, there's so many things that Thanksgiving does, but I've just mentioned three little things. I've got three little things to, to mention. Firstly, I want to say Thanksgiving is part of God's prophetic promises for our lives. God wants us to be a thankful people. God wants our church to be a thankful church. God wants our city and wants our nation to be full of thanksgiving to him. I want you to listen or read with, uh, read with me Jeremiah 33. This is a prophetic prayer that I've been praying over the city of Chicago and over our nation. This is what the Lord says. You say about this place, it is a desolate waste without people or animals. And let me tell you, there are, people, there are people who have spoken those words over our city. There are people who have spoken those words over neighborhoods in our city. There are people who have spoken those words over parts of our nation. And I want to say, we need to respond as the, Lord, as the Lord wants us to. Yet, in the towns of Judah, in the streets of Jerusalem, that are deserted, inhabited by neither people nor animals, there will be heard once more, the sounds of joy and gladness, the voices of bride and bridegroom, and the voices of those who bring thank offerings to the house of the Lord. I'm praying that we would see new married families moving into parts of the city that are deserted. 
Seeing people offering thanksgiving to the Lord because of what he's done. What does thanksgiving do? Friends, thanksgiving releases the supernatural power of God. Thanksgiving releases the supernatural power of God. I'll go back to Ken Grenfell's uh, quotes at the very beginning. An attitude of gratitude keeps the heavens open over us. Listen to Matthew chapter 14. This is Jesus as he's about to feed over 5,000 people with five fish, five loaves and two fish. He says this, and Jesus directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. And then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. The question I've been asking myself from this is, how much do I need to have in my hand before I'm ready to give thanks? You see, so often we see these overwhelming situations, these things that seem impossible to us, way too much more month than there is money, impossible situations in our own personal lives, maybe health issues, maybe relational struggles, maybe national struggles that we are facing. And I want to say, friends, even if we have the tiniest thing in our hands, we need to give thanks to God for that because He is able to take that and multiply it supernaturally to bring about a release and a transformation. Thanksgiving releases the supernatural. And then lastly, Thanksgiving is part of the worship that is being offered up before the throne of Jesus right now. You know, we gather here on a Sunday as Church in the City. There are churches across the city that that, that gather, but there is a church that is gathering right now before the throne room of Jesus. There is a church that has been gathering from the beginning of time that is before the throne room of Jesus. And that church is made up of people from every tribe and from every nation and from every tongue. And they worship before the throne day in and day out, declaring holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. When we gather on a Sunday, friends, we're not just little church in the city gathering to worship God. We are joining with the great company of believers from every nation and from every generation that worships Jesus. Revelation 7. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Can can we stand as we finish this? Clothed in white robes with white palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb and all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God saying Amen blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Let's go back into a time of worship just for another 10 minutes or so and then we'll close the meeting. Thanks again for listening. You can always check out more podcasts at churchinthecity.us.